Good morning and welcome to another ep- episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Morna, and my co-host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Not much, actually, to celebrate to talk about more gloomy. Just when we thought it couldn't get any lower as an Arsenal fan, I think Arsenal took us to even a newer low this past or last week against Leicester City. Yeah, you know, going into the game, already as massive underdogs. I mean, you know, for me, it was like the, the chips were already down before the first whistle. I mean, as much as we tried to somehow get ourselves upbeat, positive, in the mood for the game, you know, the more you just started hearing, you know, the whispers from uh, neutrals and stuff like that. So it, it just told you the level we are at at the moment. I think the level that said a lot about the game was before the game kicked off, Leicester's odds were like, you know, 1.9 mm-hmm. to whatever he ran or pound, whatever you put down. And Arsenal's was 3.8. You almost got like four times your money back if you had to bet on Arsenal. It just shows how far we've declined down the Emre that Arsenal going to a Leicester City. We actually underdogs, which, you know, shouldn't be the case. I mean, that's not why we hired Una Emre. I mean, if... I had my choice now. I would have actually taken Rogers, and back then, I didn't think he was really the best of coaches. But then, um, Emery changed again the system for this game. You know, he tweaked the game. Um, this time, he again went 3-4-1-2. Um, you know, everybody was expecting, you know, almost like uh, Pepe to be also unleashed on the, on the Leicester team, but... You know, you almost like went again into, as you call it, almost like a assurance type mode where, you know, it's, it's a very, almost like a type of fail-safe that he goes into these type of games at the moment. And I mean, I think that's also where it's starting to count against us as well, where this being overcautious, you know, it's really starting to bite us in the backside. So, you know, then you have to wonder, isn't it just better to go out and attack, you know, be positive, go out, go on the front foot, but... It's like as much as it looks on paper, you know, a, a squad that's that's attacking uh, can do some damage, and then when you see it, it's almost like a very tame, you know, even the way they 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 start the game and they play it, it's almost like a very as we've been mentioning now weeks and weeks and weeks now, that's pedestrian based football. And the thing is, like you mentioned, we not we don't have the players to play a defensive formation. We don't have the teamwork or I don't know what the work rate amongst ourselves to actually you know, hold the team out for 90 minutes to play the defensive game so we might as well go out there play to our strengths which is attack and if we win 4-2-5-3-4-1 a tennis score so be it for now until we can assure the defense up properly but right now it's just a team with no identity trying to play defensive football with attacking players yeah, and I mean, for like these eighty percent of the game, or I mean, a bump, that's also about kind of pushing it. But I mean, for about eighty percent of the game, Leicester, you know, dominated the match because they looked defensively sound. They also were a threat every time they were going forward, and it, it was almost like all all hands to the pump, you know, trying to get the ball out of our box or around the the penalty area was because we just did not seem to you know deal with you know when when. You know, the Madison was like trying to ping the ball around. Yeah, Tielemans, you know, almost like threading constantly balls through, you know, breaking our defensive line. And at times we're looking also at, at the sixes and sevens the minute the ball would get swung into the box. And you always mm-hmm. felt nervous, even from corners when they were at corners against us. Didi also um, dominated the midfield. They basically won the midfield battle. Like, they couldn't handle him. Like, he was winning all the tackles. He was getting onto the loose ball, and we were just slow to react. My biggest concern, 
I know we said we, our defenders, I mean, our strikers should be defending as well. But my biggest concern in this match was, you did see the likes of Lacazette and Aubameyang doing a lot of the tackles. I'm sure they tackled more than our midfield almost, the way they had to fight for the ball all the time. And let me, uh, we ended up playing a formation where you as an Arsenal fan watching the game, when you saw that formation being laid out, you thought it was like, we're going to play with a front two. And in the end, it was... Luck is it playing as an outside right winger and, and um, Aubameyang as a left winger and Ozil playing like a kind of false nine that was, you know, randomly making sporadic attacks going forward. But, I mean, physically, he was already going to be out-muscled by Soyan Chu and uh, Evan. So, it made no sense, that, that sort of ta- tactical setup. That's, that's what you mentioned. You know, the Aaron Ramsey thing, uh, that formation worked wonders when Aaron Ramsey was... Was at Arsenal still because he had that tenaciousness and the work. It almost like the Firmino of not yeah. the same, but almost like that kind of role where he's not really a striker, but he's going to play as a striker. He's going to play as a as a as a midfielder. He's going to play as a everywhere, but he like slots into places to cause havoc and kind of splits the defense. But with Uzel, you're not going to get that from him. He's not that type of player. Uzel's a playmaker. He needs the ball so he can feed the guys in front of him. But Emre is also not playing Torreira and Uzel to the strength. The one should be kind of cleaning up and the other one should be distributing. Because, I mean, it's almost like between, say, the way Uzel was playing and the way Torreira and Guendouzi was set up, there was already a gulf there between those three in midfield. And, I mean... They constantly were getting, you know, as you said, that with Ndidi, he was constantly, you know, breaking up play, almost like kind of causing not only havoc, but also setting up again attacks for them for Leicester. So they were already through like just one player bossing us. We were really almost like not kind of standing a chance there. We were like a boxer on the ropes, as you would say. You know, you were just waiting for that goal to come in. Yes, we had a chance with Lacazette, which I felt he should have buried. And one of our concerns is of Arsenal is that it's like these play- guys just have those moments where they switch off and they forget this VAR. It's like Guendouzi when he, I don't know how to mention that guy, that defender's yeah. name of Leicester, that number four. Yeah. yeah. But how when he tugged him in the box, we were lucky to not get the penalty. I'm like, why would you, why would you do something like that? Because I mean, look, in our old school way, in ourselves playing or watching a game, I mean, that, that was a stonewall penalty, even if if uh, was not going to get kind of to the ball. It was actually holding somebody down, and, and um, it's not even, uh, you know, as I would say, inconspicuous. It was done out and open, whereas the lines could have seen it on the touchline, and the ref had a, you know, kind of view. And, I mean, uh, VAR had a perfect view of it all. But, you know, it's not like we keep on with this this ill discipline, and it's, it's, it's becoming not only frustrating, it's infuriating. It's like these guys aren't learning. And I mean, if you look at the goals we've conceded as well, Leicester actually outpassed us. It was slick passing. And like when I was watching the goals again, and you were like, you know, this is the way Arsenal used to score goals. But we're not scoring like that. We're scoring boring goals. And you look at Leicester, how they like ping the ball around. And you, I asked myself a question as well. If Rodgers had coached Arsenal and Emre had to coach Leicester, would we have had that same outcome in that game, or we would have seen an Arsenal side overrun Leicester City? I think it'd probably been a tonking for you know for us over Leicester than it was coached like that because it's not like we just keep on running into these traps that Leicester kind of set for us. You know? <laughs> and I mean, look, we go into half time no, no, but I mean also kind of lucky no, no, and then second half 
everybody's trying to again to kind of almost like you know pep talk of the Arsenal, whether it's like the commentators or uh, you know what you're hearing in the studios at the halftime. But I mean, it was again everything back to the same, and then it was like by that time, by, by the halftime talk, I think there was a, a slight you know like a little lull where we had like, uh, but I mean a small period of of domination. But then it's like you could see Leicester then got kind of tired of uh, you know yeah, giving us the ball and and it. And almost like for them, it was enough of the toying around. Now we're going to get down to the, you know, nitty gritty things. And I mean, then they came out really, you know, to a point where I think what was it? One set the last shot on that Arsenal had on target or at goal, not on target even. At goal was fifty fourth minute, and after that there was nothing. Yeah, we really they really strangled us, and for for me it was shocking to actually see how we were struggling. We were so rattled that. We were passing the ball straight back to them. Yeah. Or we were just like hacking the ball, like, you know, not even out of touch. It was just like kicking it. It was like, I was watching Arsenal. I'm like, have we like degraded this yeah. much that Leicester City, or how can I say, outfoxing us? I mean, we were the team that was supposed to be running in a title race. But, you know, Leicester, yes, they're eight points off Liverpool, but they are there and they're about where we want to be. And how can that be? We've spent so much money, invested so much in a team. Our top signing, so-called, most expensive, is sitting on the bench in a game where you could have used him on those wet um, surface. So you could have used him to run, you know, defense slips, you know, those type of things. But I don't know. It's like before the game started already, it looked like we set up for a draw. It looked like Emery was happy for a draw. And Leicester were just, we were just there for the taking. And I mean, look, uh, when, when um, Leicester took the lead on 68 minutes when Tielemans, Fred Vardy, you know, you know, with ease, just smashed the ball past Leno and then going, edging further ahead when Madison was, I mean, that was one of the, one of the like, shots of the day, the way he, you know, really picked his spot where it went kind of through Pellerin's legs and left the keeper motion. So it's not like he's using Pellerin as... He's, um, I wouldn't say target man, but like a kind of wall. Shield. Yeah. yeah, shield, yeah. And I mean, the ball went in with ease. Leno was, you know, caught flat-footed. They go two Again. up. You can just well say, you know, game over already by then. I mean, well-deserved as well, because, I mean, they did play a hell of a game. But, I mean, with, with regards to Arsenal now, you know, the problems just keep on piling on for us, because like, you, you think they can prove the doubt is wrong. You actually won't like willing it that, that you know they can say you know you know stick it to the critics or something like that. But you just uh, it's like you just don't see us getting up from this. It's like we you know like you said a hole that just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and there's no ladder or rope to pull us out. Like, I don't I don't know where like we come up against Hampton next, who you know have a, a shocking record, and maybe that's where we can kind of rebuild like they did last season with us when they helped their relegation battle by beating Arsenal. Yeah. So hopefully somewhere along the line, because we didn't we only win our one game after the international break happened? Since yeah. like, you know, we, we were like, always high flying. Yeah. Come back, Sheffield United push us aside because that's what they did. We just, and also away from home, we just so poor. Mm. But I mean, you know, with, with regards now with Arsenal and the, and the whole situation, it's like you're thinking to yourself, can this manager still do the job in that? And then when the, the, the real frustrating thing is, and I think that it's even like ex-Arsenal players like Ian Wright and them also coming out, where they, they, where they all sort of get 
seriously pissed off now because he's making comments like after the game, and I think I sent a few messages to you like after the game, even on Sunday, where he's saying defensively we were good or we look better, and, and I'm thinking, what are you looking at? Because I mean, we're allowing, I mean, just offhand, I mean, I'm not even going on any stats now, it's just what I saw from Sunday and remembered. The shot that, that Leicester had at our goal, whether it's on target or off target, 19 Arsenal on or and off target, 8. Wow, this is like we're like a midday pool side, really. Yeah, uh, just I'm like allowing threats, you know, uh, we're allowing this pressure on us over and over and over. And it's almost like, you know, we, we, we're kind of bleeding and we're going to have to stop this bleeding. And this, yeah, is like, yeah. this is also where I want to now kind of draw a line to it. I mean, we can still go on with the, with the, on the talking points part of the, the podcast. But I mean, this is now where you want to blend it in where this is also where I want to ask you, like, where do you, where does the, like, where do we stop this rot? Where do you see it? Like, you know, where do you see it still going or where do you see the rot stopping somehow? Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see the rot stopping unless they start a new coach. And like I said, I could be wrong, but I just don't see any positivity. We're not playing well, so you can look back at it and say, oh, we played well, we were just very unlucky. We were out classed by a Leicester side. Like, they played us off the park and... I just don't see us, are we going to regroup? The only possible way forward is if we kind of try to switch to a more attacking formation, like not attacking formation as in like play three up front and three in the middle, like a 4-2-3-1, kind of try to get a balance, but allow Pepe, Uzel, and even Aubameyang just to get more freedom and kind of feed Lacazette or Lacazette and Aubameyang can play interchangeably with each other, but we just need to kind of be more positive going forward otherwise i just see the same thing happening over and over i mean we are nowhere like i watched liverpool and man, uh, man city play and they like are oh, light years ahead of us at the moment which is not why we hired emery we hired emery to kind of lift us to get us back to there but you look at him who kind of struggled in his first season in in league earn where the psg side was the best in the in the league, but still managed to throw it away to Monaco, and then you go back to you in the second season at PSG, supposed to win the Champions League, and he kind of fluffs that, and he wins the league, but also his players aren't you know performing, listening to him, and I just think they don't have respect for Emre anymore, and and that's the biggest concern is that they don't have respect for him. You're not going to play for him, therefore I think he needs to go. I mean, like my take on on the issue is, I mean, I saw Santi Cazola also yesterday or two days ago talk about, you know, kind of biding time with Emery, you know, let him you know, give him time. But I'm just thinking we're at a situation at the moment or, or or stage of not only a season but the the way football has gone these days, where results do matter because the the lifespan of a, of a coach is way shorter now because of the you know head coach thing, you know, managers really going around, since everybody's going through the, you know, director of sport, technical director, things like that. And I'm just thinking to myself, he's, he had a, a I wouldn't say agenda, but he was given kind of a, a project or a plan when he took over. And I mean, he was, everybody, like, look, all of Arsenal fans, I can tell you now, I mean, look, a lot of Arsenal fans sort of that first season, we're going to back him to the heel. Whether, you know, hello, I water, I mean, Win, lose, draw, we're going to back him because, you know, after coming off a manager of 22 years and now making the change, 
We knew there was going to be intense pressure uh, going into the Aki's first season. That we did. Second season, he gets the players. You know, like the club does put the money in, in the bank for him to now get whatever he wants. And I'm not sure he's also down to the one that, that uh, wanted to have certain players recruited that you like in, into his squad. And now it seems like everything is now falling apart because now the money has been there, the board's been backing him and that. And now it's almost like he's just not getting the best out of the players. And one of my Arsenal friends that I normally chat to on Facebook, he was telling me also, like, how do I see also, like, you know, the way forward from yearning? And I said, look, of course, we now have to now, we can't just shout the whole time. I mean, you have to also just think, okay, let's back the board while they, you know, say, okay, he has to be the man. But it's going to get to a point now where, I, or my, my take is, where we need a sort of disciplinarian to come in. Because, I mean, I know everybody's always throwing at younger managers, and but I just think for for now, like, to get everything, you know, almost like to steady the ship, which has gone totally off course, we need to get a sort of manager in, a, you know, disciplinarian type, you know, a, you know, say a Rafa Benitez or Ancelotti or something. I'm not saying, look, I don't want these guys to be the long-term solutions, but just somebody that can somehow get that defense. Because, look, the defense is going to be a platform of any top team. And I mean, I think that is where we're going to have to go. Like, oh, I mean, also some of the other managers being thrown out, like that Brendan Rodgers, that was also like a key for him when he took over at, at Leicester. They lost a key player in Maguire. And I mean, he sort of invested that money into getting somebody like, you know, almost like somebody to shield, like, how can I say, not only shield the defense, but if you think of that in Didi before uh, Roger signed, everybody was saying he was mediocre. And that, yes. Look at yes, him yes. now. He's like a worldie in front of the defense. Soyan Chu was, what, between 10 and 20 million. We ended up going straight for Socrates at the time. Whereas this guy could have now... Look at him alongside Johnny Evans. Everybody laugh at Johnny Evans. The two of them complement each other the way they play in their defense. They, I mean, it's so tough to break them down because Johnny Evans is the one that reads the game fast and, and, and can, you know, positionally... Always on the on point, and then you got Soyan Chu's got the speed to always you know read the situation, and when called upon, he does the business to clean up or you know play you out of the game. It's all about your combinations, and you know we say Johnny Evans was slow, a bombing, and like I said, they quite pacey. But did they ever take him on really? No, because they never had an opportunity to really isolate him. In which you have to defend in numbers, in which Arsenal don't do this. Like you, you know, they almost like saying, "Okay, your job is to send the back. You have to tackle. I'm not going to help you tackle," kind of thing. So we always, we never defending in numbers. And like you said, in general, we always playing this backing off and backing off and backing off. We saw it against Leicester. Even we were backing off, and uh, and we lose our runners all the time. That awareness when JB Vardy scored that goal, Callum Chambers lost Vardy. He was open in the back post. So and and even if you can, if you go at that one step before, uh, I, oh, I don't think it was the first or second goal because it goes all you know terrible defending either way. But Guendouzi also loses somebody in for one of the goals. Yes, he, it was at Tillemans. He loses Tillemans to Tillemans. kind of cross the ball. Who just goes in past him and he does not even make an attempt to, you know, make a, a surge or a lunge to to get, you know get in front of the guy. And these are the type of things because, um. Another, also that thing that you and I have been talking about for uh, probably uh, seasons already now, and and also months now on the podcast, is this tendency with this, almost like this playfulness that goes on in the team. Because you see this, you know, it's all good and well. You're going to have fun and and have a good relationship with your teammates and that. But, I mean, it also comes down to, you know, the, the 
working hard in that because if you look at, let's say, somebody like Roy Keane and, and uh, Martin Keown, when they show training sessions, you saw those guys playing the same performance you're going to see on a, on a, on a Saturday-Sunday match day. You're going to see in their training sessions as well. You know, hard tackling. Uh, everything is more intense. And I'm mean, listening also to, to Burkham the other day with that interview that he did with Ian Wright, where he said from day one when he joined, nobody took things easy on him in training because he said Martin Keown was always at his ankles and he knew to not get clipped or done in by, by Martin Keown. He had to be that bit fast. And, that, and he, that's, that's the sort of mindset you're going to take in the match day. And that's how you're going to end up beating your opponent as well. Yeah, that is true. And I think that's why so much, like, I think in everything at the moment in life, everywhere, things have just been a bit easier on everybody on certain things. Like, you get away with too much. And that's why with the training, like you mentioned, that's why people are so adjusting so difficult to the game now. Because training's become playful compared to, like you mentioned, when the Perez and them all came to Arsenal. They got kicked and stuff in training and they got adjust to the league much quicker than these guys. I mean, Pepe probably would have adjusted to the Premier League by now mm-hmm. had he been playing with the older regime. Because, I mean, like, it's so infuriating when you see, you know, the, look, this this uh, fitness coach is also trying to do his job. He also has a job. And then you see them busy talking to each other. And then when they're supposed to do that, that little draw where, you know, you're jogging and you're pulling your one leg above your um, your knee, you know, where you hold your, your foot and you'll you know, as you jog it, you stop, you pull the one leg up a bit for a stretch and then go again another few steps and you pull the other leg again up above your knee. You know, then you see Aubameyang, you know, just pulling the, or just touching his foot and bring it to his shin and then he just goes on by he's having a conversation with Lacazette or Guendouzi and that. And this is, is all things, yeah. So the thing is, Guendouzi is like, he, he learns from Aubameyang and Lacazette. I mean, he's still young. I mean, if, they, if he's a captain now doing stuff like that, it's, it's going to rub off on the younger guys in the team as well that show we didn't have to do things properly and that's where it starts because I mean like when you watch Arsenal players as a whole at the moment you're having Guedosi almost like every second or every game he's being talked about the ref because he keeps on running his mouth too much like sometimes he gets you know when he dallies on the ball and he gets you know for his, I mean it's a Premier League we all know what sort of tackles are going to come in or shoulder barges and then he'll lay on the ground or stand, like, you know, get up on his knees. And he's, like, flapping his arms or waving an imaginary yellow card. I, don't I think, think just it's get attitude. On. Yeah, it's attitude. So, I don't know how things are going to pan out. With, you know, with this sort of attitude along with, you know, there's a tactical, you know, almost like kind of we lost in that sense on the tactical side of things. We have a coach where... Number one, tactics are not, you know, going in and with a team that's being put out every week. And the, the sort of feedback that you see between players and, and manager is also, or coach, is also not, you know, going accordingly. So, it's like, while all this little drama things are happening in the background, you know, Arsenal just suffering, which is, you know, Arsenal's our, you know, almost like our life. This is what, you know, we, or fans for them, it's nothing to do with Emery, it's got nothing to do with the players. You know, we are Arsenal, as I would say. But, you know, it's not like we ending up suffering now because look, now we've been already overtaken by Sheffield United. Now we're sixth again after, because I mean, it's not like you can you can only screw up a you know a certain amount in the Premier League. They're going to start catching up to you. And I mean, if you think we had now, you know, huge kind of you, you, like saying league uh, stature now, 
huge leads over Spurs and United, and you've got them now in kind of striking distance now of, of us again. Because all along, in especially now in November, that we've been having, we've been horrific. It started like the sort of performance is being dished out. We normally at Arsenal, isn't it uh, a yearly thing where November and October, we normally have that started patch and then we almost eat like a, a lull in December where we win, lose, and then we just hit our stride in January always, like under Wenger. But there's been to interrupt, but I just want to say, this has been a, a stat where if we're even going to get close to top four, we're going to have to win something like, I don't know what they said. One stat was where it was 18 out of the next 20 or something like that. They're going to have to... And I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> What's the miracle? He's going to... What, what magic wand he has. We, we need... We need every, I mean, Leicester to kind of slip off the pace a bit. And then, because they have no European football, I think that's for key. them, it's game after game. Chelsea also looks now a different kettle of fish. We're probably going to get hammered by them, to be honest, when they when we play against them because it seems like Lampard got his team playing for him. Arsenal's not playing for Emre anymore. I don't they they probably were last season to impress him to kind of be in his good books. But I think there's no respect for him. Like, you know, even though Wenger when he was on his way out, the players still respected him a heck of a lot because of what the like he's achieved and players still were willing to pass the gut for him. But it seems like I mean you have your captain, Abameyang now who is liking posts of Emre out and talking about Xhaka, people, it's just, yeah. there's no unity anymore in the team. And that's that's going to probably tell on the field that there's no unity. And we're just going to go further down if somewhere along the line the rot doesn't stop, like you said. It's either that... You know, with that old drama of last week with, with Aubameyang and that, that, oh, that, that fan TV, that Arsenal fan TV thing about, you know... They can choose who they want as their friends. Oh, that's all good and well. But my take is, if you are Arsenal captain and you're going to start bringing, you know, matters that are club-related, and look, if they have, say, drinks or whatever together, you know, your mouth is maybe going to, you know, run over and you're going to start bringing up personal stuff which can also be used against certain players in the team that, say, these guys don't like or the fan base or whatever. Then, you're gonna, you, 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 you know, it's like you're opening a new can of, you know, fish. Because at the moment, how I see it, you, I'm, I'm, I don't have any problems when you have you know players signing things and, and doing things or you know doing PR stuff, whatever. Fine, but I mean there is a sort of thing that you have to have that you know with a club as it's uh, you know almost like rules and regulations amongst themselves as players and also their behaviour. Because uh, at the moment it's like that was with if you think of say that troops guy, what he was saying about Jaka. And then you, like, and I mean, it was some, I mean, I would just put it straight, it was like kind of vile, some of the stuff also being put out. And then you're going to have, at the time, the, the say the vice captain hanging out with a guy like that. And it's like, you have to deal with somebody that's dealing so with this troops guy. And then, of, of course, there's to be in training with Jaka on the other end. So how's that going to work out for morale or whatever? It doesn't. You need to stand by your teammate. You need to stand by your teammate for, for that time. I mean, even though... You know what, Chaka, he was wrong. You just have to be, I think, Ballerin or I think Socrates also came out and said, you know what, sometimes we lose our heads, but just together we're stronger and stuff like that. We need that. And I think Chaka's probably going to be on his way out in January, the way things yeah. are going. 
Yeah, because I mean, he's now. I mean, of course, the media has been going, you know, gossip crazy. Especially, look, we already always prep for it. It's always tell you just, you know, be careful what you read and not even the media, especially in this international break. Because look, these sports journals, they also now want to make the, you know, the money. So they're gonna try to have almost like kind of clickbait articles because now all of a sudden you there's like things about Bellerin, um Obama Young being out, so the wanted list for some teams. Like I said, I mean, look, okay, it's all relative at the moment, but, you know, it's also something Arsenal awesome need to look at also whether to keep players because, you know, as much as I like Aubameyang and that, the way people are going on if he should leave, I'm just thinking, it's almost like we suddenly going to the territory of, of like, I'm not like, of uh, Alexis Sanchez where he's getting into it because, look, for next season, he's already going to be, um, not next season, next year, he's already going to be, what, 32 and I mean, he can't keep up that pace over time. So I'm like, we should be also priming somebody like Martinelli, and then also having, you know, say Lacazette take a more, it was like I want to say senior role since he is one of the seniors. But I mean, he should also be upping his game because, as we said, I think a week or so ago, Lacazette also looks way off form at the moment, even after that injury. Now he does not look on point for anything really. Lose no, I agree. At most against Leicester as well, summed it up. You know, a few, maybe last season or even as his first season, he would have smashed that into the top corner. But is I don't know if complacency kicked in or if that you know that that drive to succeed is being sucked out of those players week in week out when they're losing because it just seemed like they looked demotivated after the games. You know, and I was just wondering, you know, as a team, like with this, you know, with everything going on, I just wonder if. Maybe something like a, a team building thing for a week, you know, where they just go away. I'm not talking about football wise, where they just go to those like kind of, you know, socialize, kind of socialize with coaches and 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 uh, you know players amongst themselves, and then and just some, you know, where everybody can iron out the differences if there are any, and also say like you know where they can tell the coach that I don't like this and that over you, or the coach tells them you know this and that side. And everybody, because for me, it's like everybody, like everyone is like playing within themselves, and the coaches also not knowing. And I think that is also sometimes a mixture of the language thing that's still seemingly like a cloud over his head, as well as you know the sort of tactics that he wants this team to play at, which it seems like part of the team is not really made up for this sort of you know uh, the manpower is not really there for the tactics that he wants. Yeah, then rather maybe you know get 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 another coach in who who can work with these guys, even if it's a goose eating for till the end of the season. You know, like he always came in for spells with Chelsea just to kind of steady the ship and almost let the new guy take over again. Remember when I think was he steady the ship till the end of the season? Conte came in and then Conte won the league, and then Eding also came in, steady the ship after Chelsea was a bit shaky. Um, Angelotti came in and Angelotti won the league and cup double. So sometimes you just need someone, like you said, short term, just to steady the ship, get the respect in order, and then you get your guy in who actually maybe already has his plan in the head what he wants to do in the summer window. Because, I mean, Emery's first window probably was very frantic because he just got told he's an Arsenal manager in May. Season starts August. He doesn't have much time to build. So, and now he had his chance. And it seems like he's thrown it away. So I think steady the ship with someone and then let uh, someone new come in to, to take the squad forward. 
Yeah, so I mean, I think that's about it for the podcast. There's not that much to, you know, really talk about, especially now with the international break or so, and still floating on another seven days or so. Um, I, you know, I just hope you guys have a good weekend. You know, sorry that it's again not that upbeat like we normally would want to be, but, you know, it's, you know, that's just the way football can be at times. I hope you guys have a fab weekend. Take care. Bye. Bye, guys. Have a good one.